Amen. How refreshing it is to be in the presence of God. How good he is. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, please. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 40. I'm going to be sharing with you three of my favorite verses. And I had people tell me from time to time, Brother Israel, every time you give us a verse, you say it's your favorite verse. Well, it is my favorite while I'm studying it. But this is truly my, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. As a matter of fact, if you underline your Bibles or highlight your Bibles, and I hope you do, then underline Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. If you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, then write down Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. Because I can promise you that you will need these verses. They have been a great help to me throughout my life, been a great blessing to me. And I know they will be a great blessing to you as well if you'll take them and apply them to yourself. God's Word is precious. God's Word is powerful. And when we take God's truth and apply it unto our own lives, then we are changed to become what God wants us to be. Can you say amen to that? That's why the Scripture says in the book of Isaiah that we grow here that little and there a little, line upon line and precept upon precept. We're continually growing by getting a hold of God's precious truth. So Isaiah chapter 40 verses 28 through 31 is going to show us this morning how to fly like eagles. How many want to fly like eagles? <laughs> Me too. And I'm thankful that God's word gives us direction on just how we're supposed to do that. So let's look, Isaiah chapter 40 verse number 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But now look at, look at verse 31. What a great promise. He says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Let's pray together. Father, we again love you. Thank you, Lord, for the great privilege of meeting together today for, to worship you. And Lord, I want to thank you that you've given me this truth that... Um, Lord, you're going to have to share through me. I'm, I'm asking that you fill me up and you pour me out. These people need not hear what I have to say. They need to hear what you're saying, Lord. And I'm asking this morning, Holy Spirit, that you take complete control of these services. Lord, I relinquish my will to yours. And I'm praying that you would have your way and your will in me, through me. Lord, fill me up, pour me out, use me for your honor and your glory. Move me behind the cross. And Lord, may my words not be in my own, but yours. I'm praying that, Lord, you give us exactly what we need through this scripture, through this truth, so that we might rise up, even in times of difficulty, so that we might soar like eagles, even when things aren't going the way we want them to go. Lord, we're asking this morning that you would do the work that only you are capable of doing. You would, uh, Lord, would you convict hearts? Would you comfort those who need comforting? Lord, if there be one here that needs saving, Father, I pray the day be the day of salvation. Whatever you want to do, Lord, we pray that you do it for your honor and your glory. 
In Jesus' name we pray and for your sake. Amen. There's three things that I'm going to share with you this morning very quickly concerning Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. The first thing that I want you to see is the problem that we all face. And then we're going to see the provision that God has promised. And then we're going to see the promise that has been made. All right? So let's first of all look, point number one, at the problem we all face. In Isaiah chapter 28, or excuse me, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 30, the prophet here gives two descriptions. First of all, he describes the God of, of heaven and earth, the God who created all things, and then he describes us. Now, in these two descriptions, it's highlighted for me, and I'm praying for you this morning, the problem that I face and the problem that you face, the problem we all face. First of all, he talks about the Lord. Listen how he puts it, Isaiah 40, verse number 28. Hast thou not known? Have you not heard? I love how he asked this question. It's almost like the prophet is saying, have you not heard these things? Do you not know these things? If you have forgotten what you've heard or forgotten what you've known, let me refresh your memory is really what he's talking about. He said, I want you to know the God we serve. I want you to know that first of all, he is the Lord. He has all authority. I want you to know that he is creator by his spoken word. He spoke the earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars in to existence. I want you to know that he never faints. He, no, he never grows weary. He cannot fail. And I want you to know he has complete and total understanding. He'll never get foolish. Can you say amen? That's, that's what he's saying about who God is. That he is Lord. He's creator. He does not faint. He does not fail. He don't get foolish. Now that's who we know the God of the Bible to be. One of the greatest uh, attacks of the enemy and lies of the enemy is somehow, some way, the God we serve today is not the God of the Bible. That, that somehow God has got sick or God has got old or somehow God can't do what he's always done. Folks, don't you believe it for a minute. Jesus said the enemy, Satan himself, is a liar and the father of lies. And that's one of his biggest lies. Don't believe it. Don't fall into it. I'm here to tell you this morning, have you not known and have you not heard God is still on the throne? Listen, he's still creator. He's still Lord, the one who has authority. He does not faint. Nothing is too big for him. He does not grow weary. He's still doing just what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and how he wants to do it. Can you say amen? That's my God. And praise the Lord, if you today have trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, that's your God. That's our Heavenly Father. I love one of the new worship songs. I can't remember exactly who sings it, but it talks about that God is a good, good father. Isn't he good? Isn't he gracious? See, I, I think we need to remember this. I think we need to, um, listen, remember what we've heard and, uh, and get right in our minds what we know. That, that's what the, the prophet's talking about. Because what I see today, maybe more than ever, is people who claim the name of Jesus with a defeatist mentality. A lot, and that has a lot to do with what's going on in our world. Folks, if you look into our world today, it seems as though it's going to hell in a handbasket. Am I right? Uh, don't, don't get me wrong, some of the things that I see going on, some of the decisions that I see being made today in our current environment, in the, in the world that we live in, um, it concerns me. I'll go a step further, it, it angers me. 
But you know it's okay to be angry at sin? Do you know we should be angry at sin? There should never be a time for a child of God that we get comfortable with sinful things. How many of you know we are called out from this world? Matter of fact, the scripture says we are in this world, but we are never to be of this world. We think differently than the world thinks. When I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about the world system that is against God and against His truth. We think differently than the world thinks, therefore we act differently than the world acts. So we're never to get comfortable with sin. Sin ought to concern you. The way the world's going right now ought to anger you as a child of God. But now listen to me. That doesn't mean we're defeated. That just simply means we live in a fallen creation. Amen? And we know that. The Bible's told us that over and over and over again. How many of you know? Listen to me, folks. This world is falling away. This world will pass away. There's coming a time when Jesus will come back and set right what sin has made wrong. But until that time comes, we keep looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We're not defeated. We're not cast down. Matter of fact, for the child of God, we look outside and we say it's getting gloriously dark. We know it's got to get dark before the true light comes. Can you say amen? And that day's coming. We have the blessed hope of seeing Jesus. So don't think you are defeated. And let me say this to you. I want you to understand this morning that God is not sitting in heaven right now chewing his fingernails to the bone worried about what Joe Biden's going to do. God's not sitting in heaven this morning worrying about if you're going to have gas at the pump next week. God's not sitting in heaven right now worrying about what's happening in Israel or what Iran's going to do. Listen to me, folks. He is in complete, total control. And that's the God I call my Father. Now, if He's not worried about it and He promises to meet my need, He promises to protect me, He promises to provide for me, He promises to be just what the Bible says He is. If He's not worried about it, I don't got to worry about it. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for these things. Certainly, it should concern us. Certainly, we should pray about it. But don't let it defeat you. Don't let it bring you down. Don't let it rule your world. Because God is still able. He's still creator God. See, the same God that I read about on the pages of Scripture that split seas and spoke stars into existence and raised up dead people is the same God I'm serving right now. That's the one I'm trusting in. He hadn't got sick and he hadn't got old. He hadn't got weary. He will not faint. He will not fall. He has all wisdom, all knowledge, and complete understanding of everything that's going on. He does not get foolish. And so the prophet says, do you not know this? Have you not heard this? Look unto the heavens from whence comes our help. Amen? Keep your eyes on Jesus. He tells us who God is, but then we're awakened to our problem when we see who we are. <laughs> Look what it says here. 
Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 29. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. He said, regardless of your age, whether you're young or whether you're old, there's going to come a time when you faint. Now, what does it mean to faint? Does it actually mean to faint and pass out? Well, maybe, but not so much. I think what he's talking about here, to faint means you come to the realization that you can't get done what you need to get done. You see the demand that life has upon you, but then you also see your ability. And when your ability does not meet the demand, then you get stressed out. Because you realize either you don't have the ability, you don't have the resources, or you don't have the time to get done what life demands. That ever happened to you? Let me ask you, two of us it's happened to, so let me ask you, does that ever happen to you? I'm talking about when you've got, you work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. You've got uh, people to take care of at home, people to deal with at work. And you've got all the stuff that life demands and you begin to see, I'm never going to get all this done. I don't have the ability, I don't have the resources, and I definitely don't have the time. I don't know about you, but I find myself there sometimes. It seems like I never stop that I meet myself coming and going. It seems as though I'm on this, in this rat race we call life and I don't know where to get off sometimes. I keep running on the hamster wheel. You ever feel that way? And that can, that can become very, very stressful when, when, we, when we see that we just can't do it all even though we want to. When we see we just can't Fix every situation, even though we want to. It stresses you out. It causes worry to enter your heart and mind. And steal your joy if you let it. That's why we got people on blood pressure medicine and stomach medicine for ulcers, because they're worried sick and stressed out. They're so busy that they don't know what to do with themselves. It happens to us all. We faint. Even young men, not just old men, the Bible says. We faint because the, our ability doesn't meet the demand that we all have upon us, upon our lives. But then he says something else. He says, the youths faint and they grow weary. Now what causes us to grow weary? Well, that's the problems. The cares of life that all of us have. I'm talking about physical problems. How many know that can cause you to get weary? When you're struggling physically and you can't seem to get well, that can cause you to get weary. I'm talking about emotional problems. When you're troubled in mind and spirit and you can't seem to get well no matter how much you try, how hard you try. I'm talking about relational problems. You, you better bet you that'll cause you to get weary. When you love family members and friends more than anybody else, but it seems like those relationships can never be fixed or be what they used to be or be what you want them to be. It causes you to get weary and worn out. Anybody ever been there? Young men, old men, all men, women, boys and girls, faint and get weary. 
That's what the Bible is telling us. That's our problem. He says, we all from time to time fall. And even young men, they'll utterly fall. <laughs> the, the weight of all of this can sometimes become too much. Am I right? The cares of this life can beat us down. That's what he's saying. That's my problem. And that's your problem. No matter how much we think we've got it all under control, many times we find our ourselves at a place where we have no control. No matter how hard we try. Even though we think we're big enough, sometimes we find out that we're not near big enough. Even though we can be prideful and confident in ourselves, we realize the only true confidence, the only true hope we have is not in us but in the Lord. We all faint. We all grow weary. i got a short clip that I want to show you this morning concerning a man who had thought he had his problem figured out, but his problem, even though it seemed small, became much bigger than what he could handle. Play that for us. Sometimes, sometimes we think we're bigger than what we are. We're stronger than what we are. And it seems as though life punches us right in the gut. Has that ever felt that way to you? You faint. You grow weary. That's my problem. That's your problem. But now let's, let me say something else to you. Listen to me. Get a hold of this. God also offers his provision. There's provision promised for all of us. For all the people of faith. I'm talking to the people of faith this morning. Okay? Now there may be some here today who's not yet trusted in Jesus. This promise don't apply to you yet. And I stress yet. If you've not yet trusted in Jesus, if you've not been born again, the Bible says today is a day of salvation, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can have this promise made real to you. But I'm talking to those who've already had this promise made real to you. I'm talking to the blood-bought, born-again, body of Christ, because the Bible promises provision for whatever you're facing. Look with me in verse number 29. He says, He gives power to the faint. God gives power 
that we need to overcome whatever we're facing in our lives. How many of you can testify to that? I'm talking about when life socks you right in the gut, jerks the rug out from under your feet, you fall flat on your face and you wonder which end is up. I'm talking about those times when you don't understand what God's doing and why he's doing it. I'm talking about the times when you cannot believe what's going on. God, in those times, I can testify, gives me power to make it through. The Apostle Paul said it like this. He said he found out that in his weakness is when God really showed up and gave him strength. He goes on to say that he found out grace is always sufficient for him. And grace is always sufficient for us. Each and every one of us. That's the same thing Isaiah's talking about. That God gives power to those who faint. I'm talking about to those who have a lot of demands, but not as much ability, resources, or time. Somebody say amen. amen. He gives you power to overcome these things in your life. It's amazing. This is the promise of God's provision. Look what else he says. Isaiah 40, verse 29, he gives power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increases strength. Isn't that good? He increases your strength. He, when you feel like you just can't go on, when you feel like you just can't make it another day, he, God comes along and increases what strength you have. But it's almost like God allows you to get to a place where you realize, Lord, if you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. You ever notice that? There's a reason for it. Because then you begin to see, first of all, just how good God is, how powerful he is, and how faithful he is to keeping his promise. See, if you never needed God, you wouldn't know how faithful God is. If you never needed God, you wouldn't know how powerful God is. If you never needed God, then what's the use of fellowshipping with Him? Of walking with Him. Talking with Him. Praying to Him. To him experiencing this life with the Lord. So when life gets too big for you, it's never too big for Him. Take your Bibles. Keep your place there in Isaiah 40. But look with me, please, to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And look down at verse number 7. 1 Peter 5. Verse number seven. Let, let's just start with verse number six, okay? He says, first of all, humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So how do you get exalted? See, to be exalted means to be lifted up. How, do you, how, how does God lift you up? When does God lift you up? When you're humble. When you're humble is what it's saying. He said, if you want to be lifted up, if you want God to get a hold of you and give you strength to stand and to lift you up, first of all, you've got to humble yourself. First of all, you've got to realize, God, if you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. First of all, you've got to realize, God, you're good and I'm not. First of all, you've got to realize, Lord, this is all about you and not about me. So, Lord, would you help me? Humble yourself. Then he says this. 
He says, humble yourselves therefore in the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Watch this. Casting all your care. Now he says all your care. Not some of your care. Not most of your care. He says all your care. I'm talking about all you got. All that's going on in your life. Just say, Lord, this is yours now. I'm going to give it to you. Amen? See, when the things of life get too big for us to carry on our shoulders, shoulders we cast it off on his. He's got bigger shoulders than I got. He's got bigger shoulders than you've got. He's able. We can cast all our care upon him. Why? Watch this. For he cares for you. He cares for you. He loves you. And he, listen, sometimes we think, well, God is just too busy to, to take care of the needs that I've got. God don't need to hear about what's going on in my life. Listen to me very plainly. God is big enough to take care of all that he's got going on. And he loves you enough to want to hear everything that's happening in your life. Good and bad. See, I tell him about the good things and I praise him for it. Lord, thank you. Boy, I tell you what, you've given me a church that loves me and I love them. You've given me a place to share your word and I thank you for it. That's a good thing. Lord, thank you for my wife. She loves me with an unconditional, amazing love. She really does. Thank you, Lord, for my wife who loves you. Therefore, she knows how to love me. Lord, thank you for healthy kids. Thank you for a good job. Thank you for provision and protection. Thank you for always being there for me. Thank you for all the good things you do. I look at the good things and I praise him for it. And then I look at the things that are challenging for me and I pray about it. Praise and prayer. God, I've got some knuckleheads I'm dealing with. Help me to deal with knuckleheads and help me not to be a knucklehead. Because the truth is, sometimes I can be a knucklehead. Amen? And the truth is, sometimes you can be a knucklehead. So I'm going to try my best not to be a knucklehead, and you try your best not to be a knucklehead, and we're going to love one another like Christ loved us and work together in this and grow in Jesus. Can you say amen? That's how, we, that's how this works. What, what we know God has done so good for us, oh, praise him. And when we're struggling, pray to him. Cast your care upon him. Because God promises to help us rise above whatever we face. How's he going to do it? The same way an eagle does it. Let's, go, let's move on to the promise. Watch what he says. We see the provision promised, but then he, there, he also makes a promise in verse number 31 of Isaiah 40. He says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk, watch this now, and not faint. Now, how does God help us to rise above like on wings as eagles, <laughs> just like he's promised right here? Well, sometimes he does for us just what the mama eagle does for the eaglets that's in her nest. Let me, let me tell you what that mama eagle will do. If you've ever seen an eagle's nest, it's a huge deal. I mean, I, there used to be one. I don't know if it's still there. I used to fish a lot years ago, and I fished on Cedar Creek a whole lot. And up on Cedar Creek, there used to be a great big eagle's nest. And it was probably, I don't know, I'm going to say 8, 10 foot around. It was huge. And what these eagles would do, they will line it out with the brush um, that they, they pick up from the forest. And when they get it all circled out and lined out like they want it, then they'll take their own feathers and they'll line that nest with their own feathers so it'll be nice and soft for their young. And then when the, the baby eagles come along, that mama will continually care for them right there in the nest, all right? 
She'll bring back worms and grubs and fish and whatever they, she can find to eat to feed them babies so they can grow big and strong and they can start doing eagle things. See, that's the purpose of eaglets is to one day grow up and do eagle things. Amen? God wants us to do eagle things. He don't want us to stay babes in Christ, but he wants us to become mature believers that go out and do Christ-like things, that do eagle things. See, God don't want us to stay Baby eagles, he wants us to grow up and be big eagles so that we can soar above whatever we face. Are you getting me? That's, that's the message. Now watch. What this mama will then do when she decides these babies have gotten big enough to fly on their own and get out and start doing eagle things, she makes them uncomfortable. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Put this on the screen for me, brother. Deuteronomy 32 and verse number 11. Look what the Bible says right here. I love this. As an eagle stirreth up her nets, and fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, and taketh them, and beareth them on her wings. So I want you to get the picture. Here you have this mama eagle with her nest up on the side of this great big tall cliff. And she comes to the place where she realizes these babies are old enough to fly. What she'll do is she'll stand up over them, and she'll start fluttering her wings. She'll start making them uncomfortable. And these baby eaglets, they don't know really what's going on, so they start rustling there in the nest. And as they begin to rustle, that mama will begin edging them ever so closely over to the edge of the nest, to the edge of the cliff. And she'll get them all the way out to the edge. And about the time she gets them to the edge, um, then that mama will push them off, give them just a little nudge, and they'll fall off the side, down by the side of the mountain, just tumbling head over feet. Now, if they spread their wings and begin to fly that first time, great. But if they don't, let me tell you what that mama will do. I actually watched the National Geographic on this one time. It was amazing. That eagle will dive out of the nest, swoop down, and grab that baby in her talons before it hits the ground. It'll fly it back. She'll fly it back up, put it back in the nest. Well, that one's not ready yet. We'll keep working. We'll keep feeding. It can keep growing. I'll keep teaching. And then after a time, she'll... Again, flutter those wings over that baby and it'll walk out towards the edge of the nest and she'll give it a little nudge and it'll fall off. And before long, that baby will spread those wings. It'll feel that draft of air come up under it and it'll begin to fly. But now listen, if that mama don't make that baby uncomfortable, it'll stay in that nest forever. It's never going to do eagle things. It's never going to be what it was made to be. And so what the Bible is saying is that God, yes, causes us to rise above whatever we face. But to show us how to do that, he makes us uncomfortable. See, when we're comfortable as believers, usually we're not serving. Usually we're not growing. Usually when we get comfortable, we get complacent. We get stagnant. And so God flutters like that mama eagle, makes us uncomfortable, and we choose to trust him. We choose to look to him because he's the one who gives strength to those who are weary. Are you getting me? That's what the Bible's teaching us. I also done some studying on some eagles this week. Do you know that an eagle will fly about 50 miles per hour if it's just out flying with no help from the wind? But let me tell you what an eagle loves to do. An eagle loves to fly in the storm. 
See, when an eagle finds a storm cloud, when a storm arises, that eagle will then soar on those drafts of wind that are brought up from the earth because of that thunderstorm, and it can take that eagle to heights like it's never been before. And it'll take that eagle to speeds like it's never experienced. It can go from flying at 50 miles an hour to 75 to 100 miles per hour just because of the storm. It gets way up above the storm clouds and them high air drafts. And from that distance, it begins to see, with eyes like an eagle has, things it's never saw before. Amen? An eagle is not scared of the storm, but looks for the storm. Are you getting me? It's in the storm that it learns to fly higher, fly faster and see farther than ever before. The storm is not necessarily a bad thing in your life. God promises that whatever you face, he can help you to rise up. He can help you to overcome. He will help you to get by, but how's it going to happen? He says he'll renew you. The word renew in the Hebrew is the word shafar. Shafar actually means to exchange. Amen? <laughs> now, this is the good news. I want you to get a hold of this. God says, I'm going to renew you. I'm going to make an exchange. What God is saying is, I'm going to exchange your weakness for my strength. That's why Ephesians 6.30 says that we rest in, not in our might, we trust in, not in our might, not in our power, but we trust in His might, in His power. That's why Galatians 2.20 says that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. See, there's been an exchange. It's no longer my life. It's his life. It's just my body. Amen? He exchanges my weakness for his strength. He exchanges my deadness for his life. He makes an exchange within me on the inside that makes a difference on the outside. There's an exchange that takes place in your Christian walk. He exchanges his surety for my doubt. His wisdom from my foolishness. He, 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 there's an exchange that takes place. Are you getting me? Now, when does that happen? When we learn to wait. When we learn to wait. And that what it says? Isaiah 40, 31, watch what it tells us here. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. There will be an exchange made. He'll renew their strength. But you've got to learn to wait. So what does it mean to wait? Does it mean when we're talking about waiting, does that mean do nothing? No, that's not at all what the Bible is saying. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us how to wait. Let me give you just some of them. First of all, if you're going to wait for the Lord and there be an exchange, there be renewal, you've got to first long for him. Psalm 62 in verse number one, look what the Bible tells us. Psalm 62, verse number one, listen to this. Truly my soul waits upon God. From him, watch this now, comes my salvation. See what the psalmist is saying is, I long for the Lord. My soul, everything within me is longing for him, is desperate 
for the Lord. Let me ask you something. Are you desperate for God's presence and power in your life? Do you desire for God to lead God and direct you daily? Are you longing for God to do something in and through you that only God can do? That's learning to wait upon the Lord is when you long for Him. When you realize you've got to have Him or you're completely ruined. You've got to have Him to do the work or the work won't get done. You've got to have him to overcome or you're going to fall by the wayside. That's like when Moses was speaking to the children of Israel. They were planning to go on to the promised land from the wilderness. And Moses prayed and said, Lord, if you don't go up with us, we're not going. We need you. We desire you. We're desperate for you. You can tell whether or not you're desperate for the Lord by your passion for the Lord, your passion in serving the Lord, your passion in worshiping the Lord. If you're not passionately serving, passionately worshiping, passionately following the Lord, then you don't desire the Lord. You're not desperate for the Lord. You're just getting by doing your own thing. We've got to long for Him. That's how we learn to wait. But you've also got to listen to him. Proverbs 8.34. Proverbs 8.34, the book of wisdom, the Bible teaches us how we wait. How we wait upon the Lord. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my door. See, the Bible is saying we are blessed when we hear from God. <laughs> it's like the man who... If I really wanted to speak to Ben, I'm talking about Ben, I need to hear from you, brother. You've got some wisdom that I need to get a hold of. You've got some teaching I need to know. And so I'm desperately come over to Ben's house first thing in the morning, and I knock on the door, and he doesn't answer. Maybe he's in the bed. Maybe he's gone run to the store. Maybe he's at work. But guess what I do? Because I want to hear from him so badly, and I want to see him as soon as I can. I don't leave. I just wait at his doorpost. I'll just sit on the porch all day waiting for him to come home. And when he comes home, I'll say, Brother, you've got to tell me what I need to know. I need to hear from you. That's the picture that the book of Proverbs is painting for us. That's how we are to be with God. Daily, we are to come and sit at his doorpost. Daily, we are to come and say, God, I've got to hear from you. You know, when you come to a service like this, you are to pray that way. God, I've got to hear from you. Lord, if I don't hear from you, then this is wasted time. This is... Not beneficial to me at all. Not just in services like this, but how about your quiet time every day when you're riding down the road and praying unto the Lord, when you spend time in the Word of God? Are you desperately listening for what God has to give you? Are you sitting by the doorpost waiting, hungry for the things of God? We long for the Lord. We desire Him. We listen to the Lord. But let me give you one more. We live for the Lord. Psalm 104, verse number 27. Psalm 104, verse 27. These wait all upon thee that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. What does this mean? As we live for the Lord, we're trusting for Him to do exactly what he's promised to do. We're continually waiting while living for him. 
Waiting is not sitting and do nothing. Waiting is longing, listening, and living for the Lord. It's looking to Him as the author and the finisher of our faith. And the Bible says when you learn to wait on the Lord, He'll renew your strength. He'll make an exchange. He'll take your weakness and give you His strength so that you can soar high above whatever you're facing. If you believe it, say amen today. Folks, there's a problem we all have. There is provision God has promised, and there's a promise that has been made. And we as the people of God need to apply this truth to our lives. Everybody stand together this morning.